0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Don't you worry because if you were fretting about all of the movies that we <laughs> didn't get to cover while I was in Japan and Shelby was in Las Vegas, yeah, we're covering them all now in a <laughs> big extravaganza.
0: Yes truly um we didn't even get to finish all the ones we wanted to talk about on tuesday so it really is a packed episode
1: yeah we got tv shows we got movies i don't know i might throw a book in there um and... oh, well please because because you did you read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow yeah yeah so we we should we should discuss that as well oh okay i read <laughs> okay, that then we I gotta get cracking <laughs> yeah uh,
0: um... okay so you wanted to talk about succession that was your teaser
1: Yes, that's true. I guess we can. I guess let's do the TV first, and then yeah, we can yeah. do movies, and then we yeah. can end with my one book.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. That's okay. a good plan.
1: Okay. Um. So yes, yeah, Succession. Succession season four, the final season of Succession, uh, which we found out like maybe a month ago or so that this was going to be the last season. Um. The premiere was last night. I'm recording. We're recording this on a Monday, so you're listening on a Thursday. So a few days ago. Um. And yeah, I'm. On one hand, I was really sad that this show when they announced that it was ending because I do feel like the characters are so rich and we've been waiting (laughs) for Logan the dad to... (laughs) We've been waiting for Logan the dad to die this entire time and I sort of feel like once he dies that unlocks a whole new sort of set of things that could happen on the show. And I've kind of been... I thought that he was probably going to die at the end of season three. He didn't. Now he's... He still has not died. Spoiler alert! In season four so far, um, so, so I, ca- I kind of imagine that that is probably where the show is headed this season, and that that will kind of be the ending of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, the the season's back. It's got good reviews so far from the people who have you know the first couple screeners. I've only seen the first episode, but oh, I sorry. I really liked it. You know, it's 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 back with the same. Um, sort of i think intelligence that the previous seasons have had everybody's horrible um at the end of the third season the kids sort of uh were betrayed by their father and now we're moving into season four where rather than the three of them kind of fighting for their father's approval they're fighting against their father as a team which i think is an interesting new development um yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. I'm excited to see where the show goes. Did you watch the premiere? I know you don't I really like succession. Even
0: seen season three. Yeah, I I started. I follow Hunter Harris's um sub substack or whatever it's called. Like her. Yes. And so I like read about it, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it. But then I just like it just sounds like the same old, same old. Like I hate that nothing changes, and they just keep making dumb, idiotic moves. And there's no like real genius to them they're just like so stupid and dumb and bad that it's just like i don't know i can't get into it
1: (laughs) i mean i do feel like i def i felt like season two was incredibly strong and really like every episode of that season was Incredible and very like distinct and separate. I really liked season three and sort of where season three got to in the end. But I think that it was spinning its wheels a little bit at various points in there, especially towards the first half of the season. But I think that with this season, because they're heading towards an end, right? That hopefully it will be doing some different stuff and kind of wrapping things up as we uh, move yeah. forward. So I'm optimistic.
0: I will. I I can support that. Oh, is it, I'm. It is well made. It is well acted. I'm not mad at it performing well. I just don't. I don't think I'm the audience for it. And
1: I appreciate the fact that they're ending after four seasons because obviously yes. this is a big cash cow and they could keep it going for years. Um, yeah. of and and drive it into the ground, a la you know something like a Grey's Anatomy or whatever. But instead, they're you know really clipping it at the high point. So. Yeah. I feel yeah. good about that.
0: Yeah, um, I too watched a show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Apple TV's Shrinking. Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I've watched a couple
0: episodes. Oh yeah, so it's cute. It's a comedy. It's actually um, Bill Lawrence is the like uh, what's it called like showrunner, and he's he's done a lot of shows like Scrubs and. Um, I don't remember. He's famous. He's he's. They're himself. connected
1: with Ted Lasso. Like yeah. Some, Brett, some of yeah. the creative team is from Ted Lasso.
0: Yeah. Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy, he's a writer on this show, which is funny because I didn't know he was a writer originally. Like He was a writer only on Ted Lasso, but then he's like, I think I'm Roy, and he auditioned for it and got the part. And so he's more of a writer than an actor, and um, he writes on this. Then it stars Jason Siegel. Harrison Ford is in it. It's about like a... It's about this therapist who's reeling after his wife died and he starts to kind of cross ethical lines to try and help his um, patients, uh, including letting one of them move in with him. And so it's like, it's a funny show. It's very, it's a comedy, it's lighthearted, it's it's very giving off vibes of Ted Lasso, which is like this feel good sort of emotional, but ultimately funny like family comedy Um and the whole season is finished now. They're already renewed for season two. It's fun. I like seeing Harrison Ford be funny. I don't think... Like, he even said in an interview about this show that he was attracted to it because he wasn't just laughing at the comedy. Like, he's not just the straight guy or the guy who's there to look gruff and be grumpy, but he actually gets jokes in. And he's having a good time. And he he's thriving. It's, like, fun to see. And I think everyone else in the cast is fun and watchable. It's definitely interesting watching with a my psychiatrist husband because he's like, this is really unethical. <laughs> he gets into a lot of messes, um, but it's fun. And it doesn't like take itself too seriously, but it does still feel like more rooted in reality than something like, like modern family even. You know, it's just like it, it, it feels yeah. based on human emotions. And I it's, mean, every... It's fun.
1: Every TV show that's set in any sort of world is always like ridiculously inaccurate, you know. (laughs) I mean, like watching episodes of um, what was the publishing show with Hilary Duff? Oh, Um, yeah,
0: a grown or youngish, or yeah, whatever that was, it was younger.
1: (laughs) um, it's like okay that like nothing <laughs> like this is nothing like anything I mean this could actually
0: happen but it'd be a very bad therapist like and and they do acknowledge that he's doing very dumb bad things like he shouldn't be doing what he's doing but he's kind of like he's dealing with his own grief and trying to process so it's all like messy and tangled but it's been a fun show I, I'm excited to see where they go with season two um, and everyone in it is enjoying it it's definitely like It seems like a good show. Apple TV has a lot of expensive shows, but they don't always strike gold. But I can see this one being one that, you know, gets some awards attention or builds up a sort of following like Ted Lasso has. So it's worth checking out. I
1: think Apple and Peacock both, honestly, have a lot of really good shows. They're just... Peacock? Nobody really knows about
0: them. What does Peacock have?
1: Like I love the show Killing It on Peacock. The what? Like is Killing the like Florida Python Hunter show. I definitely oh, talked told, about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that's really good. Um, they have they have a bunch of like fun sort of sitcoms. The one about the one that has um uh, the guy oh, like, from the Good Place and the girl who's the mother and How I Met Your Mother. Um, where they're it's called the Resort, where they're like they go to this.
0: Uh- i did start that yeah there's like they
1: have they have a lot of fun stuff also they have some fun reality shows like the traders was really still being
0: paid by them
1: (laughs) i mean uh this episode comes out on thursday uh for one day longer um no but i think i think that i think that both of those platforms like have fun shows they're just for what like they only have so much marketing power <laughs> yeah. and like people aren't actually going to those platforms very often aside, unless they're watching something And they're specific, both like... like
0: uniquely hideous interfaces. Yes. Mm-hmm. Make me want to pull my hair out every time I use Apple well, TV. And at
1: least Peacock has like a pretty big catalog of other things. But yeah. Apple Apple only has the Apple TV shows and movies. So it's, you know, like 20 some TV shows and 20 some movies. So it's like there's. And there are some clunkers in both lineups. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um it's not a 100% thing. But I think they have more good stuff than you think they do.
0: Yeah, probably. And Ted Lasso's back. So you can just check out Shrinking after your weekly Ted Lasso episode. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, um, but movies.
1: Movies.
0: Movies, movies, movies. I think you left... Right after seeing Cocaine Bear, and we never talked about it.
1: Uh, well, i got to talk about Cocaine <laughs> Bear. Because let me tell you, Cocaine Bear is a a very good movie and very fun. And we should have known that I would like this because it is, like, probably the campiest movie that's come out this year. It's, yeah. it's up there with Megan. Um, yeah. It's horror. It's so fun. It's got my beloved Margot Martindale in it yeah. as, like... Uh, horrible person park ranger um the premise for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer is that this like contraband cocaine gets dumped out of an airplane a grizzly bear uh, gets into it what
0: it's a brown bear just
1: (laughs) are they not the same thing no aren't brown bears grizzly bears and there's black bears
0: it's a it's not it might be a black bear i guess but it's not a grizzly is my point
1: whatever anyways (laughs) some wild bear gets into the cocaine which happened in real life but then in the show the bear becomes like this wild killing machine where it's like thirsty for blood and also like trying to get more cocaine because it's high and you know addicted to the stuff um so it's just like going on a killing rampage of everybody in this state park and there's a lot of fun kills and lots of people you know trying to run away from the bear in various fashions i thought it was a a good time and all of the margo martindale stuff was especially delightful (laughs) um yeah so i i think this is one of my favorite movies of the year so far i will say
0: (laughs) i know did did you watch cocaine bear i did i went and saw it because everyone was like oh my gosh this is surprisingly funny like yes it's so good I knew it wouldn't be like my cup of tea, but I didn't think I'd like actively hate it, but I did. I actively hated it because, and this is where I'm just like, are we okay as a society? Because you say something like, oh, it has really fun kills. And I'm just like, what is fun about watching a guy get his guts torn out while hanging from a tree? Like, I don't get it. I don't. I can't understand it. Like, what is fun about watching someone miss the bear and shoot someone's head off point blank? Like, I don't. I don't get it.
1: Well, I think one because you like know that it's fake. Yeah. Like if this was like if this had actually happened in real life, and this well, was yeah. like a this was like a you know uh, like a World War Two documentary or something. <laughs> like yes, it would be very heart wrenching and sad. I think that like because you know it's fake, they're like it's it's it, it's exciting. to see how many different ways like you can kill somebody on a screen and like the creativity of it and the humor of it um i don't know yeah yeah there's like some sort of cathartic thing i'm sure that there's like a philosophical essay somewhere on why we like horror movies and that um i understand though that like
0: it's just not my cup of tea
1: yeah well i mean i think it's i think it's it's not obviously exactly the same, but it's similar to like romance movies. Like some people are very into them um, and it's a genre that they really like. And they like watching, you know, people fall in love in all of these different ways, even though they're not very realistic or, you know, they don't address certain issues within, um, you know, romantic relationships or whatever. And I think it's similar with horror for me, where I enjoy watching these, situations that i know are fake to sort of see like okay within the constructs of this genre like how are you gonna make this work like like well i totally get this slasher film with a bunch of different people that you're gonna have to kill off like give me some interesting ways to do it or or like action movies i think are similar yeah
0: i guess how i guess the reason it turned for me like instead of watching something like scream or even halloween it was like at a certain point, you get the bit, like, and then this movie, you get it really fast. It's a bear who's going to kill you. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? So it it started to feel like, okay,
1: <laughs> but then, and... <laughs> but then the bear, like, just gets, like, you know the bear is going to kill these people, but then yeah. the bear starts, like, climbing these trees, and it's, like, chasing <laughs> the ambulance down the road, and right. does this leap, and so it's it just, just never... so, like, yeah. outlandish, um... And and then the people are so dumb yeah, and yeah. how they handle it that I think that's also fun to watch. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to rain on your parade. And I know like a lot of people loved it. I just, it was a moment in the theater where I was like, what am I missing? And I think it's just, it's just not my cup of tea. And I just have to embrace that because I know I'll talk about a movie later that's not your cup of tea. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, I
1: think we like two roads diverged in a wood yeah. and you took the one yeah. with like I aliens I took the dinosaurs and you took yes. the cocaine bear. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of, um for my anniversary date, I dragged my husband to see 65, a movie that he had never heard of until I was will like, will you, you be making it C65? to
1: the next anniversary? <laughs> is really the question. <laughs>
0: So, 65 is one we talked about in our year predictions, um, and it's it stars um, – whoa, I wanted to say Andrew Garfield. Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver. Close. And um, the whole shtick is that he's from another he, – he's a space traveler who ends up crash landing his spaceship into – planet, and it turns out to be our planet 65 million years ago, and he has to survive dinosaurs. Now, as a premise, I'm all in, on board, love it, but you also have Adam Driver, who's, like, a good actor and, like, has done a lot of good things, so it's, like, you respect his choices, right? And then you also have the, the like, line of, oh, from the minds of A Quiet Place, (laughs) and I was just, like, you know what, this is going to be a fun, entertaining time, and it was, but in different ways than I expected. Like, it wasn't, it didn't take a turn for the worse. Like, it wasn't actively bad, but it also didn't lean into the aspects I wish it had. It took itself seriously almost too much. Um, Which and if Cocaine they,
1: Bear was not doing. Yeah, it at any Cocaine point.
0: Bear knew its tone and it stuck to it. I'll give it that. Um, but this is like basically the premise is like, oh, before us, there were humanoid whatever you know they're not us they're like alien they're not human but they don't look alien they look like us but they live in this like society and he's this like he's this ship driver so sort of like a cargo captain but he's from
1: the past
0: yes no 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 the, the whole movie takes place in the past the whole movie takes place 65 million right. years ago but so how wh- so how does
1: he know it's why is it called 65
0: for our sake
1: Right, but he doesn't know that.
0: No, it's not a movie where he ever says, we landed 65 million years ago. Right, the title okay. is not in the movie.
1: Okay, so um, we only know that the title... So how do we know that the title...
0: So it, when a Just movie is from the promoted, trailer? Yeah, no. <laughs> I think the opening scene is sort of this like explanation card that's like, oh, millions of years ago, there were societies exploring the universes, you know, like the solar systems and... And so it sets up this idea that this movie takes place 65 million years ago, pretty early on, but you just, gotcha. he, he lives on a different planet. He's going to take other people to a different planet because he needs to get life-saving medicine for his daughter who's dying of a mysterious disease. Cut to, they go through an asteroid belt, so it's really crash like land in this world, and everyone dies except for him and this little, this little girl whose family died in the crash, and so he has to take her to the escape pod miles away on a mountaintop to get out. It's it's more complicated than it. And it's to be um but it was like fun. I think my main complaint was that it wasn't the dinosaurs you'd expect. Like it wasn't like there was a T-Rex or even a you know, it wasn't like a triceratops moment. You didn't have like the magic or madness of like a Jurassic Park moment where you're like, wow, look at these dinosaurs. Like they were really ugly dinosaurs. And I don't know if they're real. Like, I don't know if they're based on real dinosaurs. They're none I've ever seen. And it just seemed like they just made monsters up, which to me is like, well, that's not the fun of this. Like, And it also takes place during the literal day, the extinction level event asteroid is heading towards earth. oh <laughs> so not only are they like racing to survive dinosaurs but they also literally have to like get out of this uh, planet before the asteroid hits the earth huh. and so it's sort of like it becomes this like journey of him accepting his burden of caring for this daughter figure and then you find out in the end that his actual daughter died while he was en route so it's like Oh, wow, the things he's had to survive. But then you don't have as many fun dinosaur moments because I feel like it was this thing where they didn't have the budget for more than like three dinosaurs. Uh, So it was like there wasn't like a, there wasn't like this moment where you see a, I don't know, anything that's interesting that you'd expect in a dinosaur movie. It's just these like really ravenous, vicious dinosaurs that are like hunting them but they're not realistic in any way that we've seen them and it's not even like they were like oh well actually dinosaurs have feathers so it wasn't like they were trying to rewrite what what we now think dinosaurs look like compared to what Jurassic Park yeah. has trained us all to see so it's sort of like I wish they'd either leaned in heavier onto the you know quote-unquote serious side or taking it more campy and giving us more like l- light-hearted moments but it was it was like fine you know that's how I felt about it <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see how that would not necessarily be the most fun.
0: Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was fine. Like, that's how I felt. It was, like, fun, but it wasn't as fun as I expected. But it also wasn't, like, too campy to, like, ruin, to make it, like, miserable to sit through, you know?
1: Yeah, but I, I feel like there is sort of, like, a no man's land in there where you either have to be, like, really campy or, like, really good. yeah. And then if you're sort of like in the middle, then it's like neither, yeah, fish nor fowl.
0: Yeah, like I liked this more than something like Kong Skull Island, but I can also see how other people would appreciate like Godzilla versus Kong more than this.
1: I mean, I did not like Godzilla versus Kong, so.
0: Yeah, so you might like this more, but I doubt you'll ever feel motivated to give it a try.
1: Oh no, no, <laughs> no, not for one second will I be seeing this movie. Um uh let's talk about Creed 3, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you oh, see this yeah. one? I did. I yeah. Did. I mean Creed has been one of my favorite franchises. I mean, it's based on Rocky, yeah. which is also a franchise that I love that I've watched so much growing up. I was very excited for Creed 3. It's also Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, which is exciting after he's put in such good work on the franchise. Um, I feel like it got really good reviews, but when I watched it, I was sort of a little bit underwhelmed. Like I thought it was a fine movie. Yeah. And I think everybody was, you know, good in it, I guess. But it wasn't I don't I don't know. It didn't I, have I, the
0: same magic.
1: Yeah, and I wasn't sure, like, what the build, like, what the, like, what the selling point kind of was. Unless the selling point was, like, only, oh, we're going to have Michael B. Jordan versus Jonathan Majors. Because, like, I felt like, you know, usually in the Rocky movies or in the Creed movies so far to date, there's, like, a really it's kind of, like, explicit reason as to why the, like as to why the fight is happening. And also like that you can sort of sell the fight on, you know, it's like Rocky one is well Rocky, but then like Rocky two is like the rematch. And then, you know, it's in the USSR. So Rocky four is like, we're fighting Russia. You know, like there's (laughs) very kind of like specific, like big things. And I feel like with Creed, you obviously have like, Oh, Rocky is, is training his like, old rival's son to become a boxer. Like that's a very compelling story. And then in the second one, they're working off of Rocky four by bringing back the son of the guy who killed, Mm. um, you know, Michael B. Jordan's character's father. So like, that's another like big emotional move where this movie Rocky's not in it they sort of downgrade Tessa Thompson's character in some ways so that she's like not as pivotal and doesn't really get as much to do and then
0: I feel like she was pretty evenly from the first two like she's always a B character who's not really doing anything except supporting Michael B like yes she's like oh I'm I'm doing music and also I'm going deaf and then she's like oh I'm having a daughter and is she deaf and what will that feel like but it's not it's not like she's doing Yeah, but I,
1: I feel like that those two, like, plot lines from the first two movies, like, gave her more to chew on. Right. With this, she was more just, like, the standard, like, boxer wife character of, like, yeah. I hope my husband doesn't die. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I, I, I haven't know,
1: rewatched Creed
0: 2, so I can't totally remember
1: it, but the I just remember being sort of impressed with the first two Creed movies yeah. that they were giving Tessa Thompson like, more to do than the boxer wife character yeah, usually yeah. gets to do. And okay. I felt like in this one, she was pretty much doing boxer wife stuff um but then yeah it's like there's this they bring in jonathan majors who is a figure from michael b jordan's past who then has been in prison and then comes back and there is like a backstory there that's interesting um and you know jonathan majors and Michael B. Jordan are both good actors, so I think that they do a fine job with it. But it, but I was kind of like, why? Like, what was the compelling reason to make this movie? I felt like it was way less compelling than the first two, and it sort of seems like it's probably going to be the end of the trilogy. And I don't know. I was just kind of like, okay, like this is fine, yeah. this whatever.
0: I can see what you mean about the scope feeling smaller emotionally, but. I think what held me back is in creed and creed 2 the emotional requirements of michael b jordan's character fit right in his wheelhouse of this like emotional but distant man (laughs) who's like working through his own issues but not really talking through his feelings And this one had a similar vibe, except the problem was that he's on top, right? So he's not the underdog anymore. He's not like having to struggle in the same way. Like he's very successful. He's retired. He's king of the world, whatever. And so his vibe is much more like bougie. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It just didn't feel like that interesting of a character at that point like he'd already proven his point he was like fine he was happy he had his wife the big house everything was great and they tried to like throw in wrenches to make it harder but it was also like too much for michael b jordan to carry i think like i don't find him that good of an actor when he's against some of these powerhouses like jonathan majors or tessa thompson where i think he's great at being at being sad at being angry but when he's meant to be this like level-headed like Not even level headed, but kind of like this mature guy who's struggling a little bit, but also knows, like, basically just white guilt in black form. Like, it's like he's like, he feels responsible for this guy. And so suddenly he's trying to lift up this guy, but it's hard. I didn't feel like I could buy into him for whatever reason. Like, his character was kind of boring to me. He was like doing one note throughout the whole thing because he wasn't allowed to be this, like, underdog victor guy because he while he does go through this journey of like training and like winning the fight it kind of felt like it felt like a lot to put on michael b jordan's shoulders if that makes sense i just didn't buy it totally from him especially when he's going around against someone who's so like for me so charismatic and like watchable like jonathan majors where i was like rooting for him Well, yeah, and
1: I think, like, the Rocky franchise also sort of ran into this in the later movies, and I feel like it came up with better reasons sort of to make Rocky get back in fighting, where it's like he's avenging his dead friend, you know, like, that's a much more compelling story than this was, where it's like, oh, he, Michael B. Jordan was training this other guy, but then he got Beat, but yeah then... it was very
0: like haphazard like oh uh well i guess we'll put him against this guy and then yeah, it's and, like
1: and none of the b characters were like that compelling to yeah. me like <laughs> the other guy that michael b jordan was training and like that guy's mom i was like yeah. uh, uh, uh like i don't care and then i couldn't remember if those were characters who were in the last two movies or not yeah, and i, I was like so. well if they were in the last two movies and i don't remember them then that also says something yeah. about the film um
0: I did like the, like, idea of this life being stolen from Jonathan Major's character where he was arrested for defending MBJ, who then didn't really, like, stand up for him because he was a scared kid and whatever. And I like their finale moment where after he beats him, they, like, have this conversation where they realize, like, you know, I can't, like, blame you. Like, I can't – they both apologize to each other while also realizing, like, life just – Sucked how it turned out. It wasn't really either of theirs' fault. And I like that, but I think it was hard to really like sell that as a reason to box in the first place. <laughs> like it was like, it, it just felt weirdly patched together in places
1: it was also weird that rocky wasn't in it like yeah i realized that sylvester stallone said like oh he doesn't want to do any more rocky movies but then i feel like that's sort of the cue to everybody else that maybe like this is the end of the franchise because they do think that they could have done a creed 3 if it had been the like rocky yeah i think rocky s- rocky sort of send off because so creed one is like sort of based on rocky one and two and Creed two is sort of based on, or you know, like counterparts of Rocky yeah. four. Rocky three, which is the Mr T movie, is like probably the weakest of those first set. <laughs> well, besides Rocky five, which is just bad, but um, but it does include the death of Rocky's coach. Like that's mm. sort of like the integral scene is that in the middle of the match between Rocky and Mr T, like the like his um. His trainer, Mickey, dies, and then he sort of has to figure out how to handle that. Mm. So I think that it would have been a very nice counterpoint if, like, Creed 3, which is the last Creed, sort of corresponds with Rocky 3 in this kind of, Mm. like, grieving the death of your, like, mentor coach and trying to figure out how you're going to push on separate from that. Like, Creed's never trained without Rocky. Like, how does he...
0: like go forward
1: how does he pull the pieces back together and i think that would have been a really lovely way to like send off the franchise as a whole and maybe i mean you know when money's involved who knows maybe we'll come back around to that and that'll sort of be like well i heard he
0: i heard rocky didn't want to work with the producer and he said if the producer left then he would come back but then michael b jordan didn't still worked with that producer
1: yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess I, that that's probably right. Um,
0: but yeah, I agree that I think, I think it was lacking that emotional like tie-in yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it
1: felt like there was really no reason for this movie. Yeah. Other yeah. than they were just wanting to make another Creed movie.
0: Yeah, but his directing was good. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was remarkable, but it seemed like a good enough. Like it seemed good. I liked how they. I honestly it was kind of cheesy but I liked how they did the fight scene where it like they showed the passing of time by them like sort of evaporating (laughs) into this dreamscape where it's just them fighting and hitting each other back and forth and I felt like that was like I liked the payoff of these two guys like just blistered against each other and just feeling guilty and and sad for their own reasons and then realizing it's just like what's the point but yeah it did feel sort of like well now he's retired again like that was silly
1: yeah yeah it wasn't a bad movie like i enjoyed watching it and it's also pretty short it's just it wasn't yeah i just wasn't sure why it was there but okay shall we get on to your favorite movie shazam fury of the gods (laughs) i did not watch this it shall be you loved Shazam so much. I did much. not.
0: I you texted me that, and I was like, "Yes, I liked it more than you did." But it wasn't like I was the one who's like, "Let's go see Shazam." It was like we did it for the show, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't as bad as I expected." And it was like funny, but this trailer okay. looked actively bad, and it got terrible reviews, and I had no interest in seeing it.
1: Okay, fine. Well, we don't. Did have to you about
0: it. did you willingly see it?
1: No, of course not.
0: But I was in
1: <laughs> Japan. I was in Asia, you oh, okay, know? Yeah. I don't know if it was showing there. <laughs> it probably was, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I did watch the Kiera Knightley um, with an American accent uh, news reporter story, Boston Strangler, which is... Was a- it good? It was, like, good. It was, It was fine. It was, like... You know, it was kind of weird because the story of the Boston Strangler is she plays this, like, true true reporter, this female reporter in Boston what, in the what 70s. What era was this? Oh, in, like, the seven. I want to say 70s. So, like, early. 70s. Okay.
1: Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking, like, the Jack the Ripper, like, Victorian oh, no. sort of era.
0: <laughs> no, it was, like, this guy who murdered old women, um, strangling them, assaulting them and strangling them and then suddenly there's just like this onslaught of women being murdered and strangled and she does the story and reporting and blah 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 tries to find the killer someone confesses she's then they aren't there's like a technicality that they get off on or not off on they get they get charged for something else but not for these killings and then like years pass and she realizes like oh maybe it wasn't one killer this whole time maybe it was actually killers who were – it was like there was the old lady serial killer, but then the guy who started killing young people was actually like a, a partner who wanted to get away with killing his wife or whatever. And so it's like, oh, all these loose ends. And so it was kind of like a weird story because, one, it's sort of a cold case in a sense because the guy who was considered the Boston Strangler has – has had like holes in his story that kind of make it seem like he didn't do all the killings and then someone else confessed to doing the killings but it was never proven and so it's sort of like okay but then on top of it you have this angle where she's like oh the police did a bad job but it's also like you were the news reporter who was breaking these stories and making these connections in the first place where you were like we have a serial killer on the loose but now you're trying to say it's the police's fault for not solving it well but it's also like well you're part of a machine that you know sells papers based on these sort of you know guesswork I don't know so it's kind of like a fine reporting story but do you ever figure out who
1: does it or is it left no it's
0: kind of like we still don't know like it's like there's a lot of theories out there about it but the 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 I was reading the Wikipedia article, so <laughs> real facts. Um, I think that the standing theory is yeah something similar where it's like there were probably two or three killers who were getting away with these sort of killings, wrapping them up like like copycat kills, so that they could get away with it.
1: Um, hmm. I yeah. mean, I guess that is sort of a good strategy. Good idea, it's like if you want to yeah. kill your wife, like <laughs> kill her like yeah this other case, and then you can sort of like. <laughs> Oh, Ooh, no.
0: Wow. <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. Yeah. It was also like Keira Knightley doing an American accent. I was trying to think if I've ever heard her do one. And it was good. So. Yeah. I don't, I feel like she must have been in it. An... It was still technically a period piece, but. Yeah. An American period piece. And um, she doesn't do much of those. So it's on. It's a Hulu, I think. Hulu original.
1: Interesting. OK. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll check it out. I feel like I haven't really heard very much about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um I
1: fine. I did watch Scream 6. Did oh, you watch yeah. this?
0: I was going to, but no one wanted to go with me, and I felt like it'd be weird for me to go by myself to a movie. I don't even always like.
1: I mean, do you care if I spoiler? Or... Oh no, I read about it. I oh, read okay. the spoilers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, a Scream is I think probably my favorite franchise. Um i i love the movies i think you know they're all good to great um they're a lot of fun they're you know they're campy they're meta they're self-referential to the horror genre and to the movies themselves like i think they're such a good time um you know and i think some people don't like like scream three but i think that you know, Scream 3 is like set in Hollywood and it's like so deranged that it's fun. And then Scream 4 is absolutely incredible. I really liked Scream 5 uh, last year, I guess, when it came out. Um, and I liked the sort of like requel kind of spin on things that they were doing. Um, And then they obviously brought back the big three characters, even though they killed off the um David Arquette character in Scream 5. Hmm. So Scream 6... I was excited for because I really liked yeah. scream five, but then there was the sort of unsettling news that Nev Campbell wasn't coming back to this one because they wouldn't pay her enough. And I sort of, at one point was like, well, maybe <laughs> this is like some sort of long con where she's going to come back as Ghostface or something, or they're, yeah. you know, sort of like saving her, which is not the case. I think that they literally just didn't want to pay her enough money. Boom. Um, which doesn't really factor into this plot line all that much. It's set in New York, which sort of mirrors Scream 2 in that it's, like, set away at college. One of the girls is going to NYU, and uh, Courtney Cox is back, and then, you know, most of the cast from Scream 5 is back. And they also brought back Hayden Panditier, whose (laughs) character, like, sort of... you thought died in Scream Four, but they like never really showed her dying. So then they could, you know, kind of resurrect her here. And it's set in New York. I was really excited from the trailers, and I think the movie was fine. But I also think it was perhaps the worst
0: Scream movie. Oh wow!
1: To date, is, is that a an couple... unpopular opinion? I don't think so. I think oh. people in general liked it. There was a couple of things that I did not necessarily love one it was set in new york it's all about new york however it was completely shot in montreal and (laughs) you can tell that the entire time which is like a nitpicky (laughs) thing but i'm like none of these scenes look anything like new york so it is like and
0: it's not like they were trying to like oh he does a rampage through times square it wasn't even like new york based Locals, well, it's like they're right? in Central
1: Park and stuff okay, And you're like I yeah. don't know where this is Or, yeah. It's just crazy to me Like it's one thing If you are a You know if you're Modern family and yeah, you're like doing a, a New show. York Episode yeah. or something and it's like Okay you 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 build a bodega And whatever it's like okay the show is about something else But it, you know you want right. a scene that's in New York or whatever it's another thing to Build your entire movie and the marketing And everything around New York and then shoot right. no scenes there. Like yeah, they could have done some things on set, someplace, and then other, right. you know, and then filmed some stuff on location. But anyways, that's beside the point. I re- like I liked the I liked sort of like the 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 who the killers were and why they were killing and sort of like the progression of it through the movie. Like I I liked that a lot, and I th- I did think that the setting was fun that the ways that they um you know, sort of, like, set up these kills was great. The main thing that frustrated me is that, like, nobody died. So many people were, like... You thought were dead, but then weren't really the like a couple of side characters who were introduced for Scream Six were killed, and then mm. the bad guys were killed. But otherwise, everybody else survived, even though a bunch of them were stabbed like dozens of times. <laughs> well, that was the,
0: the s- true in in Scream Five, right? You were like, wow, no one really died here. Well, in Scream Five, yes,
1: both of the sisters survive, and then also the the twins, yeah, um, the Cuba Gooding Jr. Son and the girl from yellow jacket so the four of them all survived and in this movie they're calling themselves core four which i think is stupid but (laughs) i
0: had a group of friends called the core four
1: (laughs) yeah exactly everyone's had a group of friends called the core four but like (laughs) weird people do (laughs) um so so the four of them survived but i was kind of like okay i guess technically in the original scream movie four of the cast members survive um and move on to the next one. So I was like, okay, like I'm, I've sort of like made peace with the fact that there's four people moving on, even though it's not like a final girl. But in this movie, not only did all four of them survive, even though like a both of the twins were stabbed brutally like dozens of times, <laughs> but also Courtney Cox still survives. They bring oh. back Hayden Panettiere, and she survives through the <laughs> whole thing. Then they also give one of the sisters a boyfriend. He survives through the whole thing. Mm. It's like We can't be going into the next Scream movie with carrying like eight cast members. You know, like at a certain point, you got to kill somebody, or otherwise, you're you kind of lose the credibility of the franchise, I think. And also, that deprives the movie of act of having actual good kills in it because you have because they have all these scenes that are basically set up to be kill scenes, but then someone doesn't die. So you have to go through the whole, like, chase and suspense and whatever, but then no one dies at the end. So you're, like, eating up time that you could be doing cool kills, you know other random cast members but you don't get to see those either because it's being taken up by like these sort of fake out murders
0: yeah and it
1: kind of reminded me of like late stage game of thrones to a certain degree where i think part of the reason why people loved game of thrones early on was because of this like nobody is safe mentality like they're killing off main characters they're killing off side characters like you you don't know who is gonna die and in what way so it makes it really interesting and it makes watching the show fun because usually when you're watching a tv show just based on like narrative structure and sort of like the training that we have as tv watchers we know who's gonna die or not um yeah. and i think that's another fun thing about um, horror films is that like sort of anyone can die, and what's crazy is that Scream is super meta. So there was a whole monologue in the middle of this movie about how once a horror franchise meets like the franchise phase, where you know we've got characters from the old version, characters from the new version, legacy characters, people popping up of the past. Like really, anyone can die at any point because the franchise <laughs> doesn't need a, a specific person to move That's on. So the fact that we had yeah. that whole monologue and then nobody dies, it's like, <laughs> well, like, is this, are we trying to be, like, ironic? Like, I just <laughs> don't, I don't know what's happening. So, well, and I mean, it
0: proves it's, like... They don't care about the story. They care about the franchise. Like, they're always thinking about the next film instead of making this film a good one. Right, so they don't want to lose like, any chest pieces. There's
1: plenty of people here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we need all eight of these people to move forward into the next movie. Right. Like, you could have killed off one of the twins, both the twins, the girl's boyfriend, Hayden Panettiere. Like, you could have killed yeah. off three or four of those people and still had a bunch of people moving on to the next movie. Like Yeah, that is weird. I, I just I don't know. And and then I think because of that like there was one there was like one or two really fun like murder sequences, but a lot of it sort of like didn't end up panning out or happening you like sort of thought that someone was going to die but then they didn't. Um <laughs> and I don't know, it it just like I liked it. It wasn't a bad movie and it was fun to watch, but I think compared to the other yeah. Scream movies, it was my least favorite.
0: Mm, that's too bad. I know you're that's excited.
1: One. You know, so it goes. And this is a theme because I also think of the John Wick franchise movies. Oh, the yeah. fourth one might also be my least favorite. <laughs> even though it yeah. is, is two is getting rave reviews.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen John Wick yet. I think that's one Rob would love to see. But I, um... I hear It's like one of those where it's like, it's a cool idea, but how long can you stretch it out? You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And how long can you hold
0: out that assassin secret society hotel? uh, Everyone wants to kill me. You know, how, how far can it extend?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I felt like the fatigue was definitely setting in, in this one. Um, And it's, it's a three hour long movie. And I think that what they did was like, oh, we're just going to make these fight scenes like longer and more intense. Mm. which is kind of cool in some of the scenes but but it just i don't know for me it felt long and it felt unjustifiably long like to have a movie be 2 hours and 40 minutes i feel like you got to be doing something that yes. you got to either like have a lot of characters or you know so- something really compelling and i felt like that i could easily go through and chop out a half hour of the movie without really losing anything well, um, especially
0: cuz they were like John Wick's only like 90 minutes. Like it's like it works because it's just it's just a man murdering people it's over It's like dog.
1: every scene feels too yeah. long. Yeah. And then there are some scenes that feel like they're not necessary at all. Yeah. Um and they it's and John Wick fun. does this thing where it sort of like introduces a whole group of new characters every movie. Right. Um which I think is fun in some cases, but I also think that this movie's Additional characters were some of the least Compelling mm, of the yeah. franchise Um You know there's like this guy who's like a Tracker who also has a dog And it's kind of like w- like why is He here he doesn't re- he's not really involved With anything and then also like His action scenes involve this dog but It's like we just saw Halle Berry do this mm, in the screen Or in yeah. John Wick 3 Where but she had two dogs so it's like cool. Well like This feels like not That yeah. original um I don't know. I again, I liked it. It was fun, but I think I mean, I think John Wick 3 is absolutely incredible and like a masterpiece and so many of those action sequences are like top tier, and yeah. I felt like this definitely wasn't as good as that. And even John Wick 2 I, I and 1. Well, I mean, John Wick 2 is a bigger budget or whatever than John Wick 1. Like John Wick 1 is a really good movie, but it's like a very, you yeah. know, sort of tight small thing where this definitely had the biggest budget and like the most going on, but I don't necessarily. I, I think that people got overexcited, yeah. and I don't know why it has such a such a high um, Rotten Tomato score and stuff because it's like up in the nineties. Other than I fact, the fact that I think that the best sequences are like the in the last forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, so I do think you're kind of sort of like leaving on high.
0: Well, and the co-star died, right? who died the the black guy i'm sorry i don't the, remember oh yes
1: yes 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 yes, 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 like yes, yes, yes the guy from lost yeah yeah yeah
0: and so i wonder if that's also part of it it's just like the yeah, and, over, and yeah. it's like keanu reeves is just so likable and i think people are rooting for him and maybe there's yeah. Some subconscious yeah bias and there. again it's not <laughs> a
1: bad movie it's just a long movie
0: yeah <laughs> Well, if you think it's long, then it's long. I know. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll let the listeners know how Rob felt about it because maybe he'll have a different take. But I probably won't see it.
1: The worst movie that I have seen as of late and I oh, would not okay. recommend to anybody is A Good Person. The Zach Braff written and directed Florence Pugh um, opioid drama. What? Uh, <laughs> Hard Pass.
0: I've never heard of this. You haven't? No i I thought it was some weird indie film you were talking about. So I'm
1: shocked that this hasn't somehow ma- a made good its person. way onto your Twitter. A good person. Well, I was
0: on. You remember I was on a social media hiatus.
1: Oh yeah, I guess that's true. But I feel like this has been in the works for a while because obviously the Florence oh, Pugh Zach, Zach Braff, Braff yeah. relationship has been like something that's been um, in the news and then they broke up. So when they were together, Zach Braff like wrote and wrote this movie, cast her as the lead. He wrote it specifically for her, directed it, filmed it. And then at some point in the post-production period is when they broke up. So now there's this movie that's coming out. That's like, written and directed by zach breff starring florence Pugh, even though they're not together any longer but he wrote it specifically to try to give her like a meaty acting gig and so it's well
0: how generous of him
1: (laughs) right and so it's it's one of those like classic movies where it's a it's like a drug addict movie she (laughs) is in a car accident and gets addicted to painkillers and then it's like you know wandering around this small town being a menace trying to get pills and booze and whatever and wreaking havoc and then she ends up going to AA with morgan freeman and he sort of you know helps her get her life back together
0: sometimes we find hope where we least expect it what a tagline yeah um, exactly is she good
1: I mean, she is good, but I think the script is so bad that it's kind of, like, hard. And also, I think, I realize that actors and actresses think that the drug addict character is, like, they're going to get to do a lot. So I think it's, like, a meaty role. But I kind of think that that just involves a lot of, like, flailing and, like, rolling around and sort of, like, wrestling with people. Yeah. Yeah, It's like Amy Adams on the floor of the bathroom and... (sighs) hillbilly elegy i'm like we've all kind of seen this and it's not that interesting <laughs> i think
0: yeah wow she's not she's over, over two at this because i
1: had to go watch it for um for the ranking that i did of her for buzzfeed oh. and i added it in and i didn't slot it high so <laughs> you know i think it's below uh, hawkeye but don't worry
0: darling better
1: Yes. Don't worry. I think she's good in Don't Worry Darling.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a movie, would you rather oh, see Don't Bad. Worry Darling oh,
1: again? Oh, uh, I'd rather watch Don't Worry Darling again than okay. watch this again.
0: Well, there you have it, folks.
1: Yeah. Don't Worry Darling's, like, interesting. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Judge me for right, ranking it so high in our interview rankings, but look at you now.
1: Well, you put it number two, Shelby. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> And then you wouldn't even give cocaine bear. Uh, come on, <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll see how that how that falls in my twenty. It'll be number one
1: in on my list, baby. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but now we get a movie uh, more up my alley with Dungeons and Dragons coming out this weekend. So, oh yeah, we'll get to talk about that. Also ranked high on Rotten Tomatoes so far.
1: Yeah, I, I, I what's going on? Critics are just not year?
0: critiquing these Critics days. Are not
1: They're... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, at the beginning of this year, when things were getting really good Rotten Tomato scores, I was like, "Okay, great! Like this is fun to watch. Like all of these actual good movies in the in the winter." But now I'm just thinking that critics are bad at their jobs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're
1: all on yeah. something.
0: Well, E.O. Scott is retiring from the New York Times, right? Right. Yes. So there you have it already added a star to every review uh, well, i mean we'll a see. good
1: a good person did get a 54 on round Tomatoes, yeah, which yeah. is honestly probably too high but at least
0: more realistic yeah <laughs> well it's so good to have you back matt
1: yes well wait do you want to
0: talk about no
1: tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow quick oh
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah we promised this okay yeah
1: Please. So this is a book. That I, I first heard about this, not to just be name-dropping Hunter Harris all over the place on this <laughs> podcast, but because she had, like, written this, you know, was posting on social media and, and said that this was, like, one of the best books that she's read, and it was so good, and she couldn't stop thinking about it, and she was absolutely incredible. Um, And then our book club also decided to read it. So I was, like, very hyped for it. Um,
0: oh, no. You didn't like it? Well, I just – it was more – um. I don't know.
1: It was it was kind of like more book clubby than I thought it was going to be.
0: Oh, interesting. I, I felt like I think what people would have because it's sort of this like saga about this guy who who meets a girl at college and they start designing a video game together. It gets huge and then it follows them over their like decades long career as they go through this ebb and flow of their relationship. And I think that's what Is compelling. Like, yes, there are vibes of like Ready Player One where it's nerdy and it's like a lot of talk, like tech talk, sort of like explaining things. But I think what compelled me is this like realistic relationship that's messy and there is some sort of will they, won't they element. But ultimately, it's about the power of like friendship and the importance of community within. The people you care about and i i find that always like a refreshing lens for the human experience in books because so often it does just get whittled down to are you gonna bang or not and i feel like this handled that that tension and that that um uh, chemistry well but also just acknowledge that sometimes a friend is more emotional, powerful, potent than a romantic partner.
1: Did you hear that, Rob? Did you hear that? (laughs) Shelby said she likes me best. (laughs) Our relationship is more potent and important. Wow. Crazy. Um, No, the... I mean, I don't want to, like, spoil it because I feel like people will probably keep... Yeah, yeah. ...reading uh, it, you know, as time goes on. I... I think the uh the, the writing I to me it felt like somebody who kind of thought that they were being more clever than they were in- <laughs> Well you're
0: also coming off of reading like 12 12- Japanese literary novels.
1: (laughs) Yes, no, exactly. (laughs) And but I think I think I was hoping for something that was like more on caliber, not
0: giving war and peace. Well,
1: I was I was expecting like something that I think was more on the level of like the Vanishing Half, right? As far as like writing quality, and it ended up being something that I think was more uh,
0: like poppy, like it's kind of it's kind of snappy, it's kind of
1: yeah, something that was more like. Um, I mean, I guess like,
0: it reminded it, me of like normal people like it felt like that like
1: it reminded me of like Daisy Jones meets Ready oh, Player One is oh, sort of how I described it, which I think are like, yeah, which are both books that I enjoyed. Like this was very readable. Yeah. I definitely like got through it with without any trouble Um But, yeah, and, and, you know, dare I say, I think that some of the writing kind of reminded me of a, like, Amy Sherman Palladino, um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, (laughs) Gilmore Girls kind of, like, um, quippiness that I feel like I sort of bristle at whenever it comes (laughs) my way. Um, And I don't know. Yeah, I really liked there's one character in the book particularly marks who's sort of like the best friend who i thought was absolutely incredible and i like loved every second of him the main and and the girl sadie i think is also pretty well um created the the main character i guess you would say sam there were parts where i was like i don't like i'm struggling to see who exactly this person is because it's like he's described as so introverted but then he's like extroverted you know like getting rallying up these crowds and you know like he's coming up with personas for himself but then he's also like doesn't want to speak to anybody i don't know it it was it was very readable and i think if you are looking for like a book club book and are sort of um you know, or like a, I don't know, like a commercial fiction or whatever, that this is, this is like a very, very, very good version of that. Yeah, um, elevated. Yes, yeah. but it's not quite the, like, you know, profound work of literary genius that somehow or another I thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it it's definitely like maybe you just felt it was overhyped for what you were anticipating.
1: Yeah, I think that that was part of it yeah. too. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I think it was good. Um, but it did get, I gave it four stars, not five. So, it didn't change my life. That's my parameter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I would give it probably three.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Like, or three and a half, maybe. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But again, I think we sort of have different tastes in <laughs> books, too. And I don't know. I, I like, I just, I really love it. I really need a book to have like great language to sort of like push me over the. That's,
0: a, that's interesting because I feel like less also falls into that like I'm so clever.
1: Oh yeah, no kind of less Les, uh, less is a very good comp for this. I yeah. think they're 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 on equivalent levels of writing. Yeah. the the reason The reason why I love less is like more of per, more personal yeah, than yeah. like writing okay. abilities. But I mean that, that's like a, one a book award, about right? like a yeah that one a. Uh, that won the pulitzer yeah so shockingly i yeah i sort of feel like but this is not like colson whitehead level yeah yeah of writing yeah which i feel like is what i usually am more yeah geared towards
0: okay that's fair we figured it out we worked it yeah. out <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there's like the, there's like the brit bennett colson whitehead and then there's like the next layer down and that's where this is with like Les <laughs> and sally rooney perfect but it's still above Colleen Hoover by about oh, 45 layers. yes.
0: Yeah. Colleen Hoover is well, I was
1: shocked. I looked at the New York Times bestseller list like last book week Talk. for the first time in a while and she has like seven of 15 yeah. slots and I'm like who is buying this book? It's
0: BookTok. It's just these, it's so popular on BookTok. It's like oh it's gosh. just, yeah, the like, worst brand. It's our generation's, well our generation already had this, but it's. It reminds me of Fifty Shades of Grey, the um spin the, like, fan fiction one. I um, don't know. Fifty Shades of Grey is the fan fiction one.
1: Yes. 50, I was like, Fifty Shades of Grey is the fan <laughs> fiction. Like, but yeah, I read like a that. Colleen Hoover book, and it, like, wishes it was Twilight, you know? like like. <laughs> well, that's Fifty
0: Shades of Grey feels, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I would read the whole Twilight series again <laughs> before I read a yeah, Colleen Hoover novel.
0: painful. Okay. <sighs>
1: okay well this episode has gone long yeah we probably won't have a pop culture roundup next week because i am starting a new job which i will tell you about (laughs) on an upcoming episode but we will hopefully have an episode on dungeons and dragons colon honor among thieves (laughs) um provided that we can somehow record it while i am working my new job before shelby goes on her disneyland vacation
0: yeah that's the dream. That's the goal. I mean, because to...
1: everybody remembered Shelby's a Disney adult and oh, she's moving no. all the way to California and ruining upending the podcast because <laughs> no, no, she no, wants no, to no, be closer no. to Disney. Uh, and I that's think the that's reason. time.
0: Um, our producer, it's, uh, <laughs> it looks like we we're done. So <laughs> uh,
1: this says we still have 12 more minutes that we can be recording Shelby. So I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yes, this was lovely. It's great to be back. Yes. Glad that we're you know both back from our travels yeah. um, and could Chat about fifty five movies. Yeah, yeah,
0: lots of recommendations.
1: Yes, and and I feel like good stuff is coming out around the corner. So, yeah.
0: Dungeons and Dragons.
1: <laughs> Other well, okay, maybe further around the corner. <laughs> Although Dungeons and Dragons does have a high Rotten Tomatoes score yeah. so far, but
0: yeah, I'm excited. Wait,
1: Shelby, neck murder mystery 2 with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. Is oh also well, we
0: already put week. it on record. We're doing Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> so I'd hate to disappoint. You know. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Okay, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.